this is where you and I basically diverge in the road and get a divorce. My problem with the whole situation is why none of the fucking idiots in that restaurant who are paying money for this bullshit stand up and scream. It's not my problem is not with the bartenders. My problem was all of the idiots sitting there paying for it. It's that people don't demand excellence. They get excellence randomly and by coincidence and they're they're happy to have it and they celebrate it, but they celebrate mediocrity just as much. And nobody's there saying this isn't good enough for me. I want your restaurant to fail. I want you to not be able to pay your rent because this is a society that respects excellence and that the cream should rise to the crop and your cocktail program sucks. Yeah, the cream should rise to the crop for sure. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist. You're lucky because on today's episode, it's the movie Annex. A married couple looking for a reason to argue in front of people even when they're home alone. That's cute and fucked up. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TalkForAliving.com. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. You're listening to Landline. So we're back. We're ready to review a movie, and we think this is a pretty unique one on the whole. Well, come on. It's, it had been a hiatus. We could safely call it a hiatus. Because of the kid. You can't go to the movies when you've got a newborn baby. Let's just say we wanted to come back with a bang. Wow. Let's take our first break. <laughs> so uh, before we get into the bang itself, do you think anyone has ever taken their newborn child to the movies? You you threatened. You said you were going to you said you were going to take Homer to the bait to the movies in a carriage and just have him sleep through it because you wanted to go so bad. That was the party line on the mommy blogs that when your baby's that small, you can just take them into the theater. And, but to me, what held me back was, I don't think Homer would like Dunkirk <laughs> at age three months. It's, it's pretty stimulating and it's why I love the movies. And it's why I believe an infant might not be ideal for the movies is that, yeah, he might, sleep through it I might be able to feed him whenever he got hungry he might not cry but there's still fighter jets like taking down in surround sound battleships and it's it's intense it's it was too intense for my baby so was that the only movie you saw in the theater before the uh aforementioned mentioned sequence that we're going to talk about yes. today? Okay, I don't think I've been to the theater without you, as far as you know. I went by myself. You went, I babysat. That was like one of the first sort of token experiences you got when you wanted to go out on your own. So yeah. it, shows, it shows your dedication to the theater. And really, let's remember what Landline Podcast is all about. This is the podcast that hates Facebook, that knows it was a bad idea f 15 years ago, that doesn't <sighs> think facial recognition at airports is a cool thing that doesn't like that our phones and computers are somehow listening to us so that when we Google something we were just talking about, it auto-populates, that isn't excited about automatic digital voting machines ruining the last election, that has been for years saying that technology is the bane of our existence. So that's what you're here to tune into, uh, a, a, a point of view that rejects this technological revolution as a advantage and a, a an advancement for society. So fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Let's talk about the porn festival we went to. Yee! Cue the banjo solo. Yeah. All right. So my parents were in town from the East Coast visiting, and we felt like we got one night to choose an event to go out to. It could have. We could have gone to play bowling if commercial real estate hadn't torn down all the bowling alleys in Portland. 
we could have gone to a uh, pub quiz, some, one of our favorite things to do in the past, pre-baby. We could have gone to HK Cafe and enjoyed a 86-course dim sum dim. fiesta. Dim sum. I did say dim. <laughs> you said dim. Dim sum. Did I? Yeah. Didn't I? We could have gone downtown and picked up chicks if we weren't fat and old. I mean, putt we putt. We, yeah, putt putt. Is there putt putt here? Th- remember the pirate, like the underground day glow oh, yeah. pirate? Yes, putt-putt? absolutely. The indoor basement day glow putt putt. We should do a podcast about that. That place is pretty epic. All the things you think you're not going to miss when you have a kid, but you do. So we could have done anything, but. There is a longstanding tradition in our family to go to Dan Savage's Hump Festival. And I'm going to let Anna talk about Dan Savage and Hump. But this was it happened to be hump season in Portland. It was a Thursday night before a weekend of activities planned with my parents. It was a nine o'clock event. So we knew we could sort of put the baby to bed and all they had to do was make sure the house didn't burn down. And we could get away. Um, now, there are a lot of specifics we had to deal with regarding how we were going to deliver this information to them about where we were going. But um, that kind of took care of itself. So, so Anna, why don't you prep the crowd and tell us what is Hump? Why does it matter? Who is Dan Savage? How does this all come together? All right. Not to toot my own horn, but here I am. A lot of people will come up to you and say, oh, my God, did you hear S-Town? It's amazing. Have you been listening to Missing Richard Simmons? I just got into podcasts. I'm so, like, deep into Two Dope Queens right now. Blah, blah, blah. I've literally been listening to podcasts, and I feel old saying this, since the year 2003. And one of my very first dedicated listenings, and I believe this was more like 2007, is Savage Love, which is Dan Savage's sex advice podcast. And I listened because Dan Savage is an incredible showman and he has a great attitude and it's salacious and fun to imagine all of these bizarre and you know no shade but you know outside of my own realm of relationships um issues people get into wait what is it though who is dan savage all right dan savage is a beloved character of the pacific northwest he's had a sex advice column in the stranger which is seattle's weekly magazine for probably close to 20 years like tabloid giveaway newspaper right and it's picked up by the mercury here in portland so uh it's pretty nationally syndicated as far as i i know but it spun off into this podcast he initiated the it gets better campaign which you know six years ago was pretty revolutionary after matthew shepherd or what was the no it was maybe the I kid think it was just like jumped after george it, washington it wasn't Bridge. that kid it was another kid um before that and it was like not quite as dramatic and essentially dan savage was just exhausted by young gay people killing themselves because they were rejected by their families or their friends so he called upon all of his fabulous cadre to get on YouTube and make videos about, hey, man, like, if you can make it through these shitty years, it gets better. Because you have, like, a bunch of dirty, hot gay sex. That's what he meant, right? I mean, that's part of it, I'm, I'm assuming. But it was picked up by famous people, non-famous people, and was, you know, by all accounts, a very positive movement for lgbtq tz tz teens <clears throat> okay so so syndicated sex columnist for the giveaway fish wrapper that you see in every liberal college town like boulder burlington portland he's the guy who ha- who writes a sex column that's right and he's got a podcast called savage love and he's just amazing um Six three, not an ounce of fat on his body. 
his like advice for like young kids are like i can't like get a day he's like go to the gym don't be such a fat ass like get your body in order and everything else will like you know he's he's one of a kind listen to him if you don't anyway he's He's one of those men who looks better with gray hair i'm sure he looked fine with with whatever color his hair was before that too okay um so i don't know what your hump is in perhaps nine you're nine wow ninth annual hump festival okay so this is i'm mom if you're listening i'm sorry but this is an amateur can you listen to this podcast podcast through your apple watch that would be the only (laughs) way your mom would listen to it and she would play it on speaker like in a in a diner where okay. she was sitting with your dad. So it would get really All ye at the Stony Knob Cafe on Reams Creek Road in Weaverville, North Carolina, gather around the Apple Watch and prepare to be embarrassed. So the Hump Fest in year 9 is Dan Savage's compilation of amateur pornography sourced used to be like strictly a seattle portland thing but in the last three or four years it's it's gone on the road and alex and i have been this is our third time right yeah so we went um yes this is our third time and yeah it's our third time keep going i got i have all kinds of things to talk about the first time the second time and the third time i mean all three times i want to talk about it's it's an instance in that is representative of Alex and I's relationship where I'll be like, we could go to hump kind of like just throwing that out there. And he's like, yeah, let's go. And then like, suddenly we've talked ourselves into going and standing in line with a bunch of people to go watch porn together in a theater. And I'm just praying that I don't see my colleagues on the screen or in the audience. Um, Anna's adding more wood to the fire literally right now. So just that's very landline moment here. We're keeping it authentic. Keeping it keeping it warm in here. Um anyway, so yeah, it, it's it's just kind of like call you, you feel like you should be showing up in a fedora and an overcoat and like creeping in, but it's quite celebrated and people are happy when it's hump time in Portland. It's it's an exciting, titillating time. Definitely, and it's very representative of the culture, of course, and the openness and positivity. Yeah, sex positive is definitely at its core. Now, I will say, the first year we went, we were living in Northwest Portland, which is the more densely populated area of the city. For those of you who don't know, it doesn't really matter. But we were in a different life then, sans kids, sans marriage. And we lived in a one-bedroom apartment, and the festival itself was happening at the old art theater in our neighborhood. So it became something where it was like, we can't not go to this amateur porn festival. If you you know, right. if, if you watch as much amateur porn as I do on the internet, and then there's an amateur porn festival down the street at your movie theater you're basically you have to you have two choices you can go and watch the amateur porn festival out in the open and act like what you do at home isn't weird or you can go see a psychologist those are those are your two options and every year since i've and alex chooses both (laughs) so that and and that's what i want to focus on first because uh well actually so let me let's take Nine steps back, three steps forward. Let's make sure we're distracting everyone and getting them to say we're all over the place when they listen to this. You know, first time back in seven months, so, you know, be kind because we're, we're smarter than you are, so just keep listening, you fucking loser. So, Jeez. Um, so, so let's talk about, should we talk about years past or should we talk about getting out of the house with my parents this I year? I think we should focus on this this particular experience the only thing i want to mention from years past is i didn't realize dan savage was going to be at hump in person and i was probably eight eighty rows back from the front in a dark theater and i saw him step out of the stage and i was like oh my god like i had like my beatles moment when dan savage stepped out to introduce the festival because i had no idea he'd be there. I was quite starstruck. 
Um, and also when you leave these festivals, like you've never felt less turned on in your entire life. You're just, well, yeah, no one. Yeah. <laughs> if, if everyone was us, then no one has sex after a hump. No. Um, but we, you know, we did go up to Dan Savage one year and introduce ourselves and you were basically like, you I couldn't, couldn't even talk. I couldn't even look and at I him. I had to say to him, my wife loves you. And we made some banter. I Alex and gay guys, like, draw whatever conclusion you will, but he is just the cat's meow. He he had Dan, like, laughing and, like, patting him on the shoulder within 13 seconds, and I was just like, oh, my God. I just uh, want to touch him so bad. Well, it's there's something there when you know that you're when you know you're in like a safe zone that there was it's it's always nice to know it's like with me with lesbians you know that nothing's gonna happen so it's sort of like everyone can just say what they feel and people love honesty. Anyways, look, this is the point about the old theater. It used to be in this rundown shop where the where they were serving like beer in plastic cups and there was pizza which and there's like a giant shaker of brewer's yeast for your hippie popcorn exactly brewer's yeast for the popcorn it was old seats it was those theaters classic theater like 30 rows in the middle or 30 seats in the middle and like 10 off to one side 10 off to the other and i remember we heard these two gay guys like getting a fight in the row behind us one year because they oh, had, like run bad. into their ex-boyfriend and everyone's sitting around waiting for a porn festival to go on and it was just like low light or, you know, red curtains, like weird. A little stinky. Yeah. And, and just the kind of place you were like happy with. This year was different and we'll get into that. But there was a little bit of that local flavor around the block. Can't not go going for us. I think this year for me, it was a little bit of a stretch based on its location. And it's just it's been ginned up a little. And I, I feel that if we're going to watch a a uh you know portfolio of amateur pornography that it should be in like a shitty place with like reheated pizza basically but that's just me all right so we tell my parents we're going out on thursday and we don't bring it up again because god we don't want them answering any questions we say we might go to a movie and then my mom starts listing like all these movies about like the potato famine in ireland or like you should see this one about a Holocaust survivor or like whatever it is. A retarded folk <laughs> artist from Canada. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that it's, was her movie of the year. <laughs> and so with Ethan Hawke. <laughs> and, and so, Ethan was amazing. And so we're all like, you know, like just not saying anything to her as she's suggesting things. So then we don't I don't bring it up for the week. And finally, we get to Thursday and we do something. We go out to pizza or something. And it's it's the night and we're going to go out and what are you going to do? And I say, we're going to hear a talk. We're going to hear Dan Savage, the sex columnist talk, which I didn't share with Anna. And later on, she sort of got caught with her pants down, pun intended, um, because she was like, what? What happened there? Do you want to? Is that worth mentioning? Linda or? said, how was the talk? And you were like, "What?" I had no idea. I was like, good. You know, <laughs> luckily, I'm. A tried and true ass coverer liar so so this is something from my teenage years it's a it's a stay over and welcome to landline podcast the movie annex where we never get to the point but let's just go off on a side road here for a second honesty with parents we are now in our 30s we now have a child we now are hearing more and more about people's pasts parents friends are getting divorced like or harvey weinstein's past no okay fuck harvey weinstein who cares about that fat slob that guy is an asshole and that's the end of that story okay so so like what is it that we're supposed to do with our parents i cannot look my parents in the face and say i'm going to a cacophony of straight a gay and trans pornography and in including ejaculation that's not something i'm going to say to them i don't care if they're on their deathbed and i'm like i have to go out for a second in between chemo treatments because it's hump year 29 i'm not going to tell them then either like i just don't want to tell them i'm going to an amateur porn festival even if they've been to an amateur porn festival the Are fact that you're even asking this question like should i tell my parents the truth is just so beyond where I'm at, I would never, I would, I would lie through my teeth 
going to a porn festival, I would never tell my parents. But there are people out there who do tell their parents. And my question for you is, do they have a better relationship? Do they have a different relationship? Different. But do you wish you had that relationship with no. your parents? Do you th- are do you judge their relationship with their parents? Do you think that their parents are the ones who like bought beer for them in high school? I'd say it's impossible to tell, but that a parent who bought beer for their child in high school is more likely to have an open relationship as it pertains to taboo subjects. But that's it. You're not going to like judge like this is the. the I don't judge. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think it's weird when parent when I I was brought up with just enough Yankee guilt and Puritan repression to think that people who tell their parents where they're going all the time are weird. So there. And I don't care what you think of me. So anyways, we we put the kid in bed. I didn't want to go. I mean, I was like exhausted. We go to bed at nine o'clock these days. This porn festival started at nine o'clock. We had already had like I had already had two glasses or four glasses of wine at the pizza dinner we went to. I didn't like it was like I was in a trough there. I didn't want to like have to get back up. You know, we know that it makes us feel like we're going to puke more than it like gets us hard. Like it was it was not necessarily like this incredible thing I was looking forward to at that moment. How did you feel going into it? I felt the worst that I felt (laughs) in months. (laughs) I was. Oh, yeah, you were sick. Several days into a weirdly a uncomfortable array of symptoms, including achy joints nausea horrid headache and extreme fatigue so i wasn't like in a congested throat i wasn't necessarily i don't know what the flu would be other than that but it didn't feel like i had to get under the covers and drink soup but i did not feel good so you weren't into it i like could like i was just like i have we have to go but we had spent 60 bucks on the 60 tickets bucks. and we had like convinced each other it was a good idea through email because it was going to be the only night we had off without our baby. And there's one movie you can't take your six month old baby to. And that's the amateur porn festival. That's for sure. So we went and uh, we drove downtown. Parked. I had rolled a thin sort of feminine marijuana cigarette to smoke legal in Oregon so legal to talk about and for all you states out there not legalizing marijuana you're so stupid um so we did I did a little bit of that on the street and we had parked right next to the town's most famous strip club or because it had gotten to the point where we were so low that we had to aim for the moon because if we missed, we knew we would land among the stars. So in the car, we were like, let's start at Sassy's. Let's just go have a cocktail, a, a lowball cocktail. Just see some titties, get used to bodies. We're going to be seeing a lot of them in the next two and a half hours. So. And by the way, for all of you judging us right now, whatever we were going to see at Sassy's on a Tuesday night and sort of Insert in at eight fifteen. At eight fifteen, in the pouring forty degree rain, was gonna pale in comparison to how uncomfortable we were gonna feel forty five minutes later when we were watching some guy fist some other guy's ass. Uh-uh. We oh. weren't gonna do that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we're not allowed to give details. Mm-mm. Okay, there was fisting though. What? So, uh, nothing. Okay. So. All right. So we parked there. We were like walking up to the door of Sassy's. And basically, we were like, we can't do this. This is. We even drove through the Sassy's parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) We also, side note, another side road, tree of love here. The uh, first time we got a babysitter as a married adult uh, parental couple, we went out for your birthday and we went to Sassy's Mm -hmm. because we felt like the if you've got. 15 extra minutes off you should go to a strip club and it was awful Well, you're not like giving sassies 
the tender love that it deserves. Like, well, this is a question I actually wanted to ask you on the podcast, and I've been saving for six weeks. You're a feminist. You are a strong, independent, professional woman. You are everything that the world needs in women moving forward. I mean, you have flaws like any other person, but if the world had more people who were working to make their money and standing up for themselves at work and being great parents and all these things, we'd be in a better place with male-female relationships. Why do you feel it's appropriate to go to a strip club in this climate of intense introspection around the male female sexual dynamic and do you think about the fact that you know strip clubs are the marijuana to prostitution's cocaine to sex sex slavery's heroin well i'm glad you asked that question because it does bring things full circle i think my attitude towards sassy specifically was always so positive because of dan savage and spending my adult life listening to dan talking with sex workers and understanding how for a certain subset of that world it is a conscious choice that people enter into that they are completely empowered to make a lot of money and have fun and it's something that is a positive experience and sassy specifically was always the club where the girls were like a little quirky the music was good the dancing was fun the crowds were interesting a lot of lesbians yeah and like yeah anyway and and there was always a little bit of action like i will say i've been to strip clubs that make me feel awful and those are like you know she's my cherry pie like it's jade stage four stage four jade like those are the kinds of clubs oh my god i mean my brother's 30th birthday he's 11 years older than i am so this was like 150 years ago but we were in bend i think it was the summer after my like freshman year in college and we went to Portland to have the night of our lives. And it ended at Mary's place. And it started with Buckethead. And it ended at Mary's place. And there were about 450 gin and tonics in between those two. And I will never forget this woman. Oh, God, it's so depressing. Walking onto this tiny ass stage at Mary's, turning on the boom box pulling her panties down and then she started dancing it's like she had to do her own music and there was no strip tease it was just like here's my naked body i was just like dude i cannot do this and i was on a strike for years until i finally made it to sassy's i dug it and i wanted to go back and and see my favorites and like see the crowd and it you know it just wasn't the same and i think that's kind of we could get deeper into this and perhaps this storyline will emerge in the next 20 minutes or five minutes however much longer we're doing this for but there is a sea change happening in portland's subculture i know that doesn't quite maybe it does answer your question but sassy's is the used to be the exception to the rule and i think that um not all strip clubs are good but not all strip clubs are bad either when everyone's like a willing fun participant What's wrong with it? Well, I don't think we can solve it all here, but I do think that the large one of the larger discussions happening beneath it all is where does the cultural tradition of men using money as a means of achieving things they can't achieve through charm where does that lie in this post sexual assault of the millennium world that we live in? And I, and you know, I get all the nuance, so I'm not pretending like this hasn't been going on forever and women have always been mistreated and it's just now that they're speaking up and I do think it's a good thing, but I, 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 I'm not necessarily sure that we're having that conversation. Like 
do we there are members of society of both genders that want strip clubs to exist and including some strippers and so and there are people who want to there are people who want to get whipped and there are people who want to be you know the whippers and then there are also people who want to strip and there are people who want to watch the strippers and I I feel as if there is this right now yes I get that like forcing someone to do something they don't want to do against their will even when they're saying no is a completely different world I'm not trying to associate the two blah 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 just assume that I'm making every single politically correct assumption ahead of time but there is this gray area of like sex play and role play and power dynamics that do have a role in us procreating on some level. And I'm not going to make that flowchart right now, but I know that it is there in, in the ether. I don't think we should get into all this. I think this is like too deep down the rabbit hole. All right. Well, I just think that those are, I mean, we're talking about a porn festival the I, Harvey Weinstein got mentioned by Dan Savage on stage when he made a joke. Some people laughed and he said, we're living in a post Harvey Weinstein world. People, I personally felt that there was some disingenuousness around this idea that we were all like, like there was a loss of innocence between the last hump I went to and this hump. We were in like the three we we were, we were after a month of like news about like, how for sure sex and power and proclivities are not like it felt hollow yes like people were showing up because of its history but it and people yeah you're right the the laughter was a little bit forced it was just it was a tough time to be going to something like this and maybe we were doing our duty by getting out there and supporting the good giving and game parts of people's sexuality and like consent and whatever, or maybe we were just part of the problem, but it didn't, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to say. It was like going to saving private Ryan during the invasion of Iraq in 2001. All right. Well, let's, um, let's wrap the podcast up here in the next 15 to 450 minutes and we haven't even gotten to like well, let's the good let's stuff. give the blow by blow here we go so we got out of the house we said we were going to a talk drove parked near sassy's decided we weren't going to go and the venue this year as i mentioned before was not the old-fashioned theater it was across the river east side it's like going from manhattan to brooklyn and it was in an old high school that has been repurposed as the headquarters of a local supermarket chain called New Seasons, which is like a Pacific Northwest Whole Foods, in addition to other, you know, businesses, and then there's an event space. So there's still Revolution lock- Hall. Revolution Hall. It still has like the big soccer field in front of it. It's this big four-story brick building in the center. It's a cool space. There's still lockers up in the hallway. There's still all of the there's water fountains like it's like Laura Palmer esque headshots and the trophy cases. And in a way, it's sort of something that would come of, out of my head that I hate. Like, because I didn't make it happen, I hate it. And, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, but we don't have time to get into that. But, anyways, so we go in, and one of the ground floor, what used to have been an entrance hall or the gymnasium or something like that, is a bespoke cocktail bar with booths with probably burgers and, you know, cob salads or whatever it is people are serving around here. And I know exactly what they're serving. You know, a, a uh, salmon a cake. A hollow experience. A salmon cake, a kale Caesar, um, some sort of pork belly noodle dish, a, you know, sub black bean burger for any of the sandwiches blah 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 chipotle mayo okay so (laughs) we sit down at the bar and we're like even though you feel like you're gonna crap your pants from the sickness i did not feel like we're we gotta it's like like you said we're as low as we can go so you gotta lube up you cannot go to a porn festival without a cocktail first so we sit down and there's a bar that is a traditional bar with stools and then there's two 
seats at the end that are down a level that have ADA. S- that have seats. Was it for wheelchairs? Yeah, it, it was like the low. It was two seats, like a low bar for ADA access. But it had. But a, it was neglected, and it wasn't designed the same way. It was like the redheaded stepchild of the bar, and people had just like left their cocktail straws all over it we were like i think this is a seat so we felt lucky to find it so we nabbed it i i asked one of the waiters is that a seat and they said yes so we sat down and we waited and we waited a little bit longer and we waited a little bit longer and we waited a little bit longer and like alex is a little stoned and you know maybe there was some contact high on my part so we were enjoying each other's company and it had to have been 15 minutes and we looked at each other like where the fuck is the like is the barkeep it's time to order a beverage and i sort of went over to another area of the bar and leaned in did the lean in assuming that that would kind of get their attention and like the classic like not knowing you're looking at them but not looking at you no back scenario and I don't know if it was then or another time. It doesn't really matter. But that's when I first observed the eyedroppers. No, you didn't see them yet. I did. I just didn't mention it to you yet. <laughs> so I looked at the situation. And I went back to my seat. And later, Anna observed the same thing. We still aren't getting any service. But what was happening? Well, it should be noted that the couple next to us at the regular bar moved on so we decided to upgrade and move into the tall bar uh with the hopes that perhaps the barkeep would see us at this point he there's two of them they are completely slammed they are oh fuck that they're not slammed they're taking forever but they are taking forever because they're preparing these beverages that are so complicated that they need cheat sheets and several different kinds of demarcated jiggers and, yeah, eyedroppers. Beakers. A beaker. Test tubes, eyedroppers. I literally saw him eyedrop two drops of something (laughs) into a drink. And I was just like, whatever he's making is wrong. It's like it shouldn't exist on the planet Earth. It's the universe has completely jumped the shark if this is what's happening right now. All right. So I'm not going to do a whole history of Portland because I don't know it. And I know that you'll tell me I'm wrong in a million cases. But broadly speaking, post post uh, September 11th, (laughs) post saving private Ryan, Yeah, post September 11th. Portland becomes a go-to location for more than just artists, and it starts to get a little bit of artisan into it. And out of that is born a stereotypical restaurant, which is, in many cases and at its core, very high quality. And it is you know, defined by high-quality local seasonal food ingredients and a top-notch cocktail program. And in fact, some of the places you've been in Brooklyn or in the south end of Boston or in you know the mission in San Francisco it might have happened in Portland first it might not have in other cases but in some cases it probably did mixology yeah mixology but also there's a sumptuousness to the space it is an authenticity to the ingredients to the people it's defined by like dark wood there's usually like a dark yellow or orange light someplace there might be a little bit of neon and there is a fun hipster reinvention of a classic now you're seeing a lot with like soft serve you might have seen it with like a frozen donuts donuts but in the cocktail in the world it would have been like a new spin on a mudslide or something to do with like a, a new way of doing a Manhattan with like some sort of smoke infused exactly. ice cube or whatever. So the point is this. We all know that bar and we know that when done well, it's fine and it's actually can be good. And yes, it's overdone. What's happened in this city is that a place like Revolution Road or whatever the fuck it's called, which is also the name of that book by John Cheever and that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, which is like about people killing themselves because of alcoholism. So it would be really funny if that is what it is called. No, Revolution Hall. Okay, Revolution Road. So this... (laughs) 
this this is like basically a Chili's version of the thing I just described. This is a knockoff. This is like we're if we're gonna borrow money from the bank, we have to have a business plan, and we're gonna get the the second in command cocktail program guy from this restaurant. We're gonna there get there will the, be suspenders. There will be bow ties. There will be button ups. There will be slicked back hair. There will be shaved sides of the heads. There will be mustaches, and there'll be eyedroppers. And so the hilarious part about this to us is this whole craft cocktail movement has gone so far that these two fat idiots behind the bar don't even know how to make a craft, co- craft cocktail. They literally had a teeny cheat sheet, like Anna said, which was, as I said at the bar, the equivalent of what the Indian classmates I went to business school would print out <laughs> for our finance exams where you got a note card and they would print out an entire chapter of the book on the front and the back. That was this cocktail thing. The guys couldn't even see what the letters said because the light was so dark. And so they did. And then they didn't even know where Here's the a take. Plus, by the way, in a state where there's legal weed, it's very difficult to make a cocktail with seven ingredients because you're so fucking stoned. You don't even know where the note card is. See, It's interesting. You went to weed for the first time. I'm realizing they were probably just like yayoed out of their head like too much cocaine and because they were sweating profusely and like they were working their asses off but nothing was getting done so the epitome of the experience for me was when this guy was like i'll be right with you sir but it was sort of like in a bitchy way to me and he obviously was like i'm not going to be right with you and like he had no acknowledgement that the program he was involved with was completely stupid and that anyone with an eye for business or an eye for authenticity or an eye for craft would like throw up all over his face because of the, the activities he was doing at work. He walks over to some chartreuse or absinthe or, you know, some Campari or Amaro or whatever. He pours it into this little like jigger or <laughs> something. He comes over to this giant like beer stein of a beaker that he's going to mix it in. <laughs> And he dumps it and half of it splashes back onto the floor (laughs) and he keeps on making the drink. So the like 45 minute drink that he was about to make and charge someone $14 for was going to taste awful, was going to be made incorrectly and half the ingredients were going to be on the floor. All right. I want to shit on this guy too much more. I want to shit all over this guy. I do want to say once Gary finally made it over (laughs) to take our order we said, we just want two Campari and sodas. And he says, that I can do. By the way, honey, not to really get into the weeds here, but that was the bar back who took our... The two, no. idi- the two idiot bartenders didn't even have the time to make our... Finally, when the bar back was done, like, cleaning up all of the beakers and No, I feel like we ordered from the keep, and then the bar back came by, too, and you ordered yeah, from you're him right. as well. Yeah, you're right. The bar... Yes. Okay, Alex sorry. double-dipped his order because he was so, like anxious he's just like i want to drink anyway so that i can do and we're like all right he can do it and it's still another seven minutes and okay i don't want to be a dick but a campari and soda is in a highball glass packed full of ice no wait hold on soda first and a like a Campari A highball is like a martini glass. No, it's not. It is. Rock, no, a highball is like... A thin cylinder. Oh, I thought it was like a like a small rocks glass. A rocks glass is what you make a Campari soda in. All right, well, You're right about the ice. Keep going. It is a six-ounce glass packed full of ice. You pour the soda in, you leave a quarter inch, and you float the Campari on top. You serve it with a lemon garnish... And a cocktail straw. Or an straw. orange, but no, not matter. an orange. And then you pass it off. This came in. I don't even know. It wasn't a pint glass, but it was like one of those tall, thin glasses that is at least fourteen ounces. And it was like anemic with ice. There was like four ice cubes, and it was just a shade of red that made my stomach turn i was was like like this is gonna taste awful it was like a warm 12 ounce can of campari that 
a quarter inch had been poured off of and then flat club soda had been dumped on top of. It was so bad. And then a couple of ice cubes had been jammed through the mouth of the can. It tasted terrible. It tasted terrible. I took one sip and I flagged the bartender down and knowing that I couldn't send it back and get another one because that would would take too long. And and the, the ass fucking festival was starting. I said, I need a cup of ice... With a splash of soda, because I was just going to like pour a tiny bit of this horrid drink he had made into that, and it would have been fine. And he brings a big glass, like a pint glass of flat soda with no ice. And then we get the bill, and it's $19, and I've taken one sip, and we're just like, okay, let's go to the porn festival. And this is where you and I basically diverge in the road and get a divorce, which is... My problem with the whole situation is why none of the fucking idiots in that restaurant who are paying money for this bullshit stand up and scream. It's not my problem is not with the bartenders. My problem was all of the idiots sitting there paying for it. And that to me is indicative of this city. It's that people don't demand excellence. They they will they get excellence randomly and by coincidence and they're they're happy to have it and they celebrate it but they celebrate mediocrity just as much and nobody's there saying this isn't good enough for me i want your restaurant to fail i want you to not be able to pay your rent because this is a society that respects excellence and that the cream should rise to the crop and your cocktail program sucks so yeah the cream should rise to the crop for sure. Anyway, this seems like a wonderful moment to plug Alex's new Yelp account. So in Landline Podcast 3.0, which we're on right now, it's the same as the first two editions, except it's after the latest six-month hiatus. You can follow Landline Podcast at landlinepodcast.yelp.com. We are not Twittering on Landline Podcast. I don't know if any of you idiots paid attention, but Twitter is the reason that this friggin' idiot Donald Trump is our president. And you might have noticed that it's his favorite tool for communicating. So I'm getting told to wrap it up by the producers, but ultimately you can follow me at landlinepodcast.yelp.com. Let's bring Yelp back, folks. All right, to bring it back, Alex is saying that it is easy to stumble into excellence and it's just as easy to stumble into mediocrity. And what he wants is a world where the mediocrity is called out and he's, he's doing his part. And personally I get very uncomfortable when I have to be around that. So gratefully he tends to avoid doing it in my presence, but it does happen like once or twice a week anyway. All right. So we have those cocktails, whatever. Here we go. The The porn festival is within the grounds of this Revolution Road. And so we go upstairs. Revolutionary Road is that movie. <laughs> Revolution Hall. It's a giant high school. It's just like, you know, Riverdale or wherever. It's a giant black or a giant brick box. We walk up the stairs. We've got our sixty or $30 tickets. Huge line, and we don't want to wait, so we go kind of another way. That Those details don't matter. We end up finding ourselves sitting in sort of a back area by the door, last row. Where the lesbians with the broken legs sit. Yeah, exactly. We were t- next to a, a lesbian with a broken leg and her girlfriend, and it was actually a very plush seat. We had a straight eye line at the screen. And if I had to spew, I could spew out in the hall with relative ease or just down into the area beneath our feet because there was so much room. That's true. And um, we basically waited for the porn festival to start. There are probably, I don't know, 750 people there, two floors, full balcony. I mean, there were more. There were a thousand people sitting there. Clearly, they moved the festival to this place because it was, you know, able to make more money, sell more tickets. It was fancier. It was in a cooler spot. All the things, bells and whistles. And it didn't have as seedy a a vibe. And by the way, for all you people wondering, like, who would ever go to this? I think this did 14 nights in Portland. So, um... No, it did two weekends back to back, but still there were probably nine nights 
Um, and it goes on tour across the entire country, like a 50-city tour. Anyway, I think the like last thing to note is, and in, in deference to the the point of the Landline podcast, one of the most refreshing aspects of this festival was Dan Savage's three rules. I'll pass over the first two. One was like, don't make fun of people. Two, don't have your fucking cell phone out. Well, wait. Uh, the first, yeah, let's do the cell phone thing. I want you to go long on that. But the first is, don't be an asshole. You're not allowed to like say you basically. There can be assholes up here, but there can't any be assholes out there, is what he says while right. he's on stage. And was the only other rule no cell phones? I don't know, but th- that's the one to focus on. Okay, so as always with Hump, the th- concept is you could be a porn star in this festival and you will not necessarily be a porn star on the internet unless that's a decision you make as a filmmaker or as a participant in those films. So how do things get on the internet from the music festival or from the festival and, you know, cell phones. So there is a very strict cell phone rule where if your cell phone is even spotted in your hand, a bunch of, well, how did he put it? His, his angry lesbian boss will send out her minions and destroy your cell phone in front of you and never give it back. And he says it over the course of probably like eight minutes and then reiterates at the end after he does a whole speech that there are no cell phones. And it is this really pregnant pause in the room where everyone's listening, like the way that he's sculpted it and the fact that he is the one putting the festival on and the fact that it's such a crazy event in a way to contemporary culture that we're all about to watch amateur porn. And that if you really want to be part of this culture, part of this society and be the thing that you say you are, which is supportive of this lifestyle, supportive of this sort of art and supportive of going to a cool event like this, you have to follow this rule. And I don't think that there's anywhere on the planet where that like you can't be at a, you know, movie release party and have everyone be listening or I don't know where else is it like. A funeral. People's cell phones go off at funerals. People's cell phones go off in libraries, of course. But, I mean, where is the place you can't play church? People's cell phones go off in church. Yeah, in fact, Pope Francis recently said no cell phones in church. Like, this week he said that. Um, I would say that this year was the first year where I was scared of my hand finding my cell phone and pulling it out. So that speaks to something that's very interesting, which is we saw someone get pulled out in the first 15 minutes. And the best part, we've missed this part. Dan's up there talking about it, and at the he like goes through that rule. Then he goes over a bunch of other rules and does some promotion, and they bring out some giveaways, and they give out some Paps Blue Ribbon, and they give out a dildo and all this stuff. <laughs> and then he's back on, and he's like, remember, what are the rules? And he's like, no cell phones. And he's got like some chance. Don't be an asshole. Right. Assholes up here, not out there. And like everyone's like following along with this chanting. And he stops and he turns to this woman in the front row and he goes, lady, put your fucking cell phone away. What are you doing right now? Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. But in the first 10 minutes, someone someone got escorted out because they were using their cell phone. And I wondered if that was just because their brain was like, I got to check my cell phone. Like that's where we've reached now. Our brains are now can't not look at our cell phone to check something, even if there's nothing there. And that's a disgusting, horrible thing that everyone should want to kill themselves over basically. Yeah, it's tough. I wish, I wish we had tapped into that rage a little earlier in the podcast maybe we can save it save it up for our next one well it's good to leave everyone remembering why we do this which is get off your fucking cell phone figure out how to get from point a to point b without gps learn your neighborhood talk to people to their face read a magazine spend your anxiety around your infant son and a random person who's watching him (laughs) And, like, also, guess what? The news sucks. Like, everything on the Internet sucks. What is what is the Internet good for at this point? 
other than listening to this mm. podcast. Seriously, like name a good website on the internet. And this is something that I've thought about in the last few weeks. There are no good sites left on the internet. Like there, at the beginning, it was like, yes, I can't wait to check out what's going on. It, it's it's Gawker is gone. It's literally been shut down. There is no like fun like blog that anybody goes to anymore with like a new cooking idea. It's all just jammed down your throat through Twitter or whatever bullshit you listen to. Facebook got Donald Trump elected. Like, give it up. Turn your fucking internet off. It's a beautiful world. It's going to be around for another 175 years. Soak it up. All right, let's go through the list of porn movies we saw. We're not going to talk about them, but I think it's a illustrative poem to just talk about the list. So just so you know, they turn on the movies. They're each between two and eight minutes in length. It's gay, it's straight, it's trans, it's bi, it's some are non-sexy, some are very sexual. There's animation, there's live action. There's th- mus- musicals. There's some stuff that's like real, there's some stuff that's pretty cheesy. And the four categories you vote, Anna and I didn't vote. We busted out of there as soon as as soon as it was done. Um went went home and mutilated our genitals, went to sleep. <laughs> So the the and I don't mean that in a sexual way. So the the four things are best in show, humor, kink, and sex. And the movies were Objectify, Desert Pussy, A Sunday Hike, A Hump Public Service Announcement, The Alley, Boys at the Beach, The Code, Bum Appetit, Hermetic Dating Rituals. Dark Room is queefing an instrument. Pizza rolls, bed bugs, prey, second favorite man, morning comes, oh the savings, paramnesia, connection, the spaces between, Turiya, and Dildrone. Which was the twenty second movie? Dildron was funny. Yeah, that was it. Those were the movies. Um, I think it's a good thing to go out there. I mean, what do you think? Would you go to a hump again? Um, no. Yeah, that's it's. Sorry. Do you, do you wish? I'd that- rather go see Dunkirk again. Like I'd rather go see a, a movie. I just, I don't need to be around. I don't need to go do that again. So that's it, folks. Landline podcast back in action. We hope you gave us a B, B minus as usual. Spread the word on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Talk for a living is out of out of commission. We're not paying fourteen ninety nine a month for that anymore. Just l- listen on SoundCloud. Follow me on Yelp at landlinepodcast.yelp.com. Uh, call the landline. One second. At 503-894-8480. I got it. You did it great. And that's it. Uh, New episodes every Tuesday from here on out. We'll hold you to that. You hold us to that. Get new listeners by word of mouth advertising. Get off your cell phone. Go out in the world. Cut down a Christmas tree. Rake some leaves. Throw the pigskin around. Play Ultimate Frisbee. Play Scrabble. What else have we done? We've done so many landline activities. Build a Do fire. Laundry, chop build a wood. fire. Make pickles. Eat a sandwich. Get a drink. Drink it. Get up and do a dance. <laughs> That's Landline Podcast for this week in November 2017. Thank Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Bye. Day. Bye. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend.
Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. We're taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline.